Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. More Murdoch madness. Chaos has reigned at a very secretive juror juror hearing that uh, secretive juror testimony hearing that occurred today, January 26th. And Judge Jean Toll posed a media embargo. I'm Collier Landry. Let's get into it. Testimony continued today in the most notorious criminal trial. When I was 12 years old, my testimony sent my father to prison for murdering my mother. I decided at an early age that our trauma should not be what defines us. It's what we choose to do with it that does. I'm here to share my unique perspective on true crime, mental health, society, and popular culture, albeit with a slight sense of humor. I'm Collier Landry, and welcome to my show. really awkward intro i apologize yes this is a surprise live gen x granny i just came across this article on fitz news that there was a surprise and secretive juror hearing today and um judge gene toll who is presiding over the hearings that will begin on monday over the retrial potential retrial of convicted murderer alec murdoch she posed a media embargo and would not allow people to report from the from the actual courtroom, no cell phones, no laptops, no anything was allowed, and no media, and many media many media outlets are respecting this. So I'm going to refer back to our good friends at Fitz News. They put out an article, and Dick Harpootlian, actually, good old Dick Harpootlian, filed a motion today, as uh, yesterday, the 25th, with the South Carolina Supreme Court, uh, referencing some of the issues that he is taking with the, uh, taken with the upcoming hearing that Judge Toll is presiding over. So I'm going to kind of go through all of this. And I apologize, guys. This was also very last minute and random for me. And I was like, let's just do it right now. So um, welcome, everybody. How's everyone doing? It is a, a beautiful, sunny 70 degrees here in Los Angeles. And I'm very excited. I'm very excited. So um, I'm going to read this little article, this little bit from, this is our friends over at Fitz News. Check them out. They're doing amazing stuff over there. So this article that came out today is entitled Murdoch Madness, Chaos Reigns at Secretive Juror Testimony Hearing. Media placed on embargo as the first of 12 jurors testifies under oath. Now, this is in regard to uh, to the retrial hearings that are going on uh, for Alex Murdoch uh, on Monday. And one of the things that's interesting is earlier this week, it was also reported that uh, Becky Hill had seek secretive meetings with sled and prosecutor Creighton waters, even though she is in a, she is a suspect in two sled investigations. So sled is the South Carolina law enforcement division. And, um, yeah, it's things are, you know, obviously Murdoch's attorneys, if you watched the hearing last week, Murdoch's attorneys are not amused, uh, that, that hearing was last Tuesday, uh, the 16th. And uh, they were not amused. They are not. Uh, they were not pleased with the judge. I think everyone could take that away from the hearing. So, Fitz News are, is reporting efforts to accommodate the travel plans of the former four-person of the Colleton County, South Carolina jury that found Alec Murdoch 
guilty of murdering his wife and son, devolved into a ferocious First Amendment wrangling on Friday morning at the Richland County Courthouse in downtown Columbia, South Carolina. The end result, a quasi-voluntary voluntary media embargo of the juror's testimony, the first formal responses to the seismic jury tampering allegations. And I've reported on those earlier, talked about those earlier. Now, a little background. Murdaugh was found guilty last winter of murdering his wife, 52-year-old Maggie Murdaugh, and younger son, 22-year-old Paul Murdaugh, on the family's hunting property near Islandton, South Carolina, on the evening of June 7th, 2021. He was subsequently sentenced to life in prison, and that was on March the 3rd, 2023. Murdaugh is now appealing those convictions, but that process is on hold as his attorneys, led by Dick Carpoolian and Jim Griffin, seek a new trial on the basis of alleged jury tampering. That this all centers around Becky Hill and her book. Got to bring it in. Got to put it in every time. Uh, Behind the Doors of Justice, the Murdaugh murders. Um, so Becky Hill is the Colleton County Clerk of Court. She is the one who read the verdict to the world on March the 3rd, 2023, that Alec Murdaugh was found guilty. And obviously, as you know, too, Murdaugh is already is serving that prison sentence, but also is serving other prison sentences for the um, for pleading guilty to the financial fraud cases that were against him. He also has a federal conviction. It's It's a mess, if you guys aren't familiar, but I know a lot of you are. So I wanted to share... What is going on? So an evidentiary hearing into these allegations uh, is set to commence on Monday, January 29th, 2024. All of the jurors at the South Carolina's tri trial of the century have been summoned to testify at the proceeding. But the former foreperson, rumored to be a longtime friend of former Colleton County Clerk of Court Becky Hill, was unavailable to attend on that date due to what the court described as a previously scheduled Bible study vacation. <laughs> I find that amusing. So, um, <laughs> accordingly, all parties consented to allow this juror, number 826, to appear on Friday to give their testimony. Simple, right? Not at all. As it happened, prior to attending to the hearing, all media outlets were told in a departure from rules established at a public status conference that was held earlier this month, which was the 16th last week that no publicly available feed of the proceedings would be provided and that cell phones and computers would not be allowed inside the courtroom. Moments before he the hearing began, former South Carolina Chief Justice Gene Toll, who has been tasked with presiding over these proceedings, addressed members of the media with an extraordinary request aimed at curtailing the reporting. Citing the unprecedented nature of this case, shock, right? Toll asked all media outlets covering the hearing to refrain from reporting on the question and answer portion of the four persons testimony until court convened next week. So there won't be any, any of their questions. I'm not going to talk about any of that, but I am going to talk about Dick Harbulian's letter to justice Gene troll that was filed today in the South Carolina Supreme court and to refrain from refrain from publishing any information whatsoever about the jurors gender. Now, as I talked about last week, which I thought was really interesting is they're going to allow South Carolinians to be in the courtroom and be present, but they're not going to allow the court TV cameras to film the jurors. But again, I kind of argued, and I think the defense probably thought this as well. And look, you know, guys, I am not a lawyer. I am not in law enforcement. I'm not a psychologist. I'm just a guy who's been through a lot of shit, as you've seen in the intro to the show. This is just my perspective on this. And ironically, yesterday, it has been, it was 25, 34 years on January 25th that I found out that my father murdered my mother. Like 
he was arrested for it. So it's an interesting, interesting timing of all this. It's it's always a, a weird month, January. Um, <laughs> but uh, as I talked about, the jurors being able to be seen by other members of the community, the excoriation that they will probably come under because everybody, I mean, obviously everyone in this very small town talks to one another. Obviously everybody sticks their nose in everyone else's business. Uh, I mean, I'm from a small town. I know how that goes. It's, it's, it's a little daunting, I would think to testify. So it's interesting that she's sort of changing the parameters around the hearing. We'll see if that, if, if there is a media stream that's available on Monday, I believe there will be because I'm hoping to broadcast here on the channel. So um, citing the unprecedented nature of the case. Okay. So uh, whatsoever about the juror's gender, Toll referred to this as the, as an embargo of the juror's testimony. According to Toll, her objective in requesting this embargo was to keep other Murdoch jurors whom she indicated have been following this case assiduously from being prejudiced by news reports. She also requested, but did not order, the four-person's attorney, who is lawyer and podcaster Eric Bland, to refrain from sharing details about his client's testimony with the other four Murdoch jurors he represents. How is such a request enforceable, given Bland uh, has attorney-client privilege with other jurors? That's a good question, they say. <laughs> so earlier this month, if you guys don't know, Bland had openly questioned Toll's, uh, Gene Toll's temperament and integrity after she was tapped to handle the case and he talked about it on his podcast which is called cup of justice uh and he got himself into hot water and like i said i'm not a lawyer so i don't know what you know podcasters we all talk about stuff this is what we do right <laughs> this is why you tune in um seeing as tolls request clearly sought the prior restraint of public of publication of information it is prima facie unconstitutional and thereby unenforceable However, in good faith effort to assist the court in preserving the integrity of those proceedings, uh, this media outlet that I'm reading from, Fitz News, will abide by the embargo and refrain from reporting on the specific questions that Toll posed to the juror, whom she christened, christened Juror X. Like Twitter, but X. X, yeah. Similarly, uh, they're going to honor the embargo, so there won't be any information about the juror's questions until later. Um, so, two things. First, multiple media, media outlets have previously reported that the juror who testified on Friday was the foreperson on the panel. Accordingly, that toothpaste cannot be put back in the tube. <laughs> Similarly, you can't unring that bell, right? Similarly, multiple media outlets, including Fitz News, have previously referenced the juror's gender and that bell cannot be unrung. Oh, look, they say that. That bell cannot be unrung. Prior to Friday's secretive hearing convening, Harpulian submitted a letter to the court raising questions about several of the proposed questions and other objections regarding the limitations imposed on the defense as it prepares to question Hill under oath regarding her alleged tampering with the jury. Quote, this is an American adversarial proceeding in a court trial, not a European inquisitorial proceeding conducted by an investigating magistrate, who Harpulian wrote in the letter which was posted on the South Carolina Supreme Court's website and which I'm going to pull up and we are going to go through. In court, Carpulian reiterated concerns about an alleged lack of independence on the part of the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, SLED, and prosecutors in the office of the Attorney General, Alan Wilson. Concerns that have been raised, you know, in many media outlets. Quote, they continue to interview jurors, unquote. There is no Chinese wall, no ethical barrier. Sled with the, was the original investigating agency, and they were the prosecutors on the Murdoch case. 
Lead prosecutor Creighton Waters fired back that SLED and the attorney general's office had conducted the jury tampering investigation with, quote, independence and integrity, claiming all involved were simply were told to simply gather the facts, good, bad and ugly. Now, what he's referring to is this hearing that had occurred earlier with um, with Becky Hill. Not hearing, sorry, not hearing uh, a line of questioning, a private meeting that she was having with SLED, with with Creighton Waters, with the prosecutor, prosecutorial team, and I believe this was last week. It has come to come to like this week that this occurred, and you know she was there for a few hours. Now this is like standard stuff. When you're a witness, you will interview with the prosecution or the defense. They say this is what they'll probably ask you. This is what they'll probably ask you. Now what makes it weird is that she was at Sled, who is also investigating her for two different cases of you know obviously abuse of power. You know while she was in the book writing, the whole debacle that she's created, right? So she's under investigation for all these ethics complaints and violations. So it's a whole other thing to, 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 and they're not criminal as far as I know right now, nothing is criminal, but it is interesting that she is working with them. And it's, it's the, when I first got interested in this particular case, after watching the Murdoch documentaries, I thought all the corruption was on their side but it looks like the whole thing is just a mess. It's, it's wild to me. And, you know, yes, you're going to have to talk to the prosecutors, even though they have cases. I mean, just the whole thing is awkward and just ridiculous in my opinion that it's come to this. So Harpoolian also revealed in court that Hill is alleged to have made additional comments to jurors beyond, beyond the ones initially alleged in the defense's bombshell motion from last September. Specifically, Harpoolian said, that stated that Hill told jurors, quote, looks like the defendant is going to testify today. This is an epic day, unquote, and then drew their attention to the fact that it was, quote, rare for a defendant to testify. My father testified at his trial as well. Um, when he went to prison, he told me that everyone that told him when he was in prison, all the other fellow convicted individuals told him to ever testify on your defense on and on your behalf. So, um, I don't know how real that is, and uh, it is it is definitely interesting. And uh, yeah, I mean, that is kind of known that you shouldn't testify. I mean, I, I don't know what I would do if I was in that situation. But prior to the court convening, reporter Anjanette Levy of Long Crime posted on X or Twitter that Hill allegedly, quote, had conversations with the foreperson the night before the verdict about the, quote, length of deliberations. Quote, I asked her what she thought would happen. We wanted to plan for a possible weekend deliberation. Levy continued, she said, twice tomorrow. That's consistent with Hill's emails to law and crime producer, to a law and crime producer about the timing of jury deliberations and the possibility that jurors would have to deliberate through the weekend of March 4th and 5th, 2023. Quote, I don't think the judge will have to make a decision on that. Hill emailed the producer. Out of respect for the former chief justice's embargo, we will wait until the convening of Monday's hearing to relate whether the former four jury four person who appeared in court on Friday was asked about these alleged communications. And if so, what answers were provided? That is from Fitz news. Now I am going to pull up here. If I can find it. This is the letter that Dick Harpoolian with his attachment had written and sent over to the South Carolina Supreme court. And I'm going to pull it up on my screen. So 
My LASIK is doing well, guys, just in case you're curious. I can read with the best of them. Oh, look what else pops up. Dear Chief, so this was received on January 26th, 2024, written on January 25th, so yesterday. In regards to the state versus Richard Alexander Murdoch, dear Chief Justice Toll, I write in response to an email, to the email from Miss Diaz dated January 24th, 2024, communicating your desire for responses from counsel to the court's proposed questions for jurors and for suggested questions and topics for the examination for Rebecca Hill. I have attached Mr. Murdaugh's proposed juror questions as exhibit A to this letter. And I just want to give a big shout out to all my channel members and subscribers. Hello, everybody who is here. I have not given a shout out to all. Hi, Gen X Granny, Ronnie, Cynthia Ann, Sharita Hall. Welcome. Hey, party's here. Hi, Tina Luffman. It's going to get dicey. Uh, it says Lucy Krim. It is going to get dicey. <laughs> uh I hope you are following the hearing on Monday live. I think AM is guilty, but agree that you with agree, agree with you that something untoward is afoot and he may really deserve another a trial. 67 degrees in Tennessee. Yeah, we're having a little warm spell apparently after like this massive Arctic freeze that was literally just last week. Who knows? Wacky weather is wacky. Welcome, Paula Roberts. Yes, you caught an impromptu live. Thank you for joining us. Uh, yeah, I plan on uh, streaming that. I am working out all the details, but yes, Sharita Hall, what a mess. And just a reminder to all my channel members who are members here or are my Patreon uh, patrons on this Sunday at uh, Sunday, January 28th at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern time, we are having our live channel member and Patreon member only meet and greet. If you want to join the channel membership on YouTube here or join on my Patreon, even at the lowest level, you're all all are welcome to the um, to live meet and greets. You guys get to interact with everybody. It's really really cool and really really fun. We're all on screen. It does it's done through Google Meet. Very easy, very simple, fun. It's like a it's like a Zoom with your friends, like a Zoom hangout. And we'll talk about all these fun stuff. And you guys get to ask me all kinds of questions. And usually, you guys have wonderful stuff to say. So it's 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 fantastic. Um, yes, 125 is behind me. Yeah, you know, it just kind of comes up. Hi, uh, Karen Kozlowski. If the jurors say the verdict would not change no matter what Becky Hill said and Becky Hill pleased the fee, the fifth it's all over. I think, yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. I mean, it feels like from the hearing last week on the 16th, that um, much of what the defense was hoping to accomplish here in this, this whole hearing uh, is not really uh, is not going to happen. <laughs> and that's why they're writing this letter to, you know, obviously Alec Murdaugh is an, an intelligent attorney and um, obviously he hired the best lawyers and Dick Harpoolian is, you know, I'm not from South Carolina, but apparently is very popular and is into politics and all kinds of stuff. Doesn't surprise me, but uh, you know, they're fighting for whatever they can. So they are going to refer to this proposed juror questions in exhibit a of the letter. Mr. Murdoch objects to the court's first proposed question, quote, the verdict of guilty you rendered on March 2nd, 2023 is that currently your verdict in this case? The issue under the legal standard adopted by the court is whether Miss Hill made comments during trial that affected the vote of any juror on March the 2nd, 2023. Mr. Murdaugh objected to that standard, but even under, under, even under it, what a juror would or would not do a year after the trial has no possible relevance to any issue before the court. So 
in the court hearing, Justice Toll was saying specifically she wants to only hear from these jurors, not the alternate jurors, not the egg lady juror who was dismissed, not any of that. She only wants to hear the people who who gave their vote on the verdict, right? And who were a part of the actual jury that convicted Alec Murdoch um, and who rendered the verdict. So they were hoping to be able to use this outside influence and this testimony of these alternate jurors. But one of the things she wants to know, would they still have said that he was guilty? It is interesting that now is that currently your verdict. Uh, you know, it's all this legal maneuvering and, and posturing is all very strange, but it all obviously it, you know, it works and uh, they know what they're doing. These are capable lawyers. We'll see what happens, though. I, I mean, you know, it doesn't look, doesn't look good for them. And the fact that he's filing this, too, is just to sort of put on like, look we're objecting to all of this. We want, we want to have our, you know, our cake and eat it too, if you will. Uh, you know, this is just, yeah, this is all very interesting. I don't know what you might, this is my opinion. I'd like to know what you guys think. Listen in the comments below. Um, okay. So Mr. Murdoch objected to that standard, but even under, even under it, what a juror would do would or would not do a year after the trial has no possible relevance to any issue before the court. Judge Hawker did pose a similar question to the jurors in green. Now, this is the case that he was referring to in his uh, in his brief that was filed before uh, before the hearing um, on the 16th. So uh, Judge Hawker did pose his uh, polling, but he did so. Judge Hawker did pose a similar question to the jurors in green, but he did so when polling the jurors immediately after the verdict and before they were discharged here. A year has passed since the start of Mr. Murdoch's trial. Asking jurors how they feel about the verdict today is both irrelevant and prejudicial in that it invites jurors to consider a full year of post-trial media coverage when answering questions about events during trial. Sounds fair enough to me. Further, if a juror did answer, quote, no, the court would be compelled to ask why, which could have only two possible answers, some irrelevant consideration arising after the verdict or reflection on some perceived defect in jury deliberations as to which the juror could not testify under Rule 606 of the South Carolina Rules of Evidence. Interesting. This stuff is fascinating to me. I, I kind of wish I had gone to law school. And I see some new comments. Hey, Lisa White, thank you. New member. Wow, thank you so much. Airdrie, thank you so much. New member. You guys better be there on uh, on Sunday. Uh, make sure you go to the members section here on YouTube. I just posted it. Link to a channel meet and greet. Thank you so much, Gen X Granny, for posting the link. I greatly appreciate it. Amazing. Uh, yeah, so Mr. Murdaugh objects to the court's second proposed question, which is what was, what was and is your verdict based entirely on the testimony, evidence, and law presented to you in this case? This question violates Rule 606B, which provides in part, quote, upon an inquiry into the validity of a verdict or an indictment, a juror may not testify as to, ellipsis, the effect of anything upon that or any other juror's mind or emotions as influencing the juror to, to assent or dissent from the verdict or indictment or, or, or indictment or concerning the juror's mental processes in connection therewith, unquote. This question violates the rule because it directly asks the juror what did or did not have an effect 
upon that juror's mind or emotions as influencing the juror to assent or dissent from the verdict. Mr. Murdaugh understands the court has decided to directly ask jurors about what affected their verdict because it has held prejudice because it has held prejudice must be proven by evidence on that point rather than presumed based on the source and content of the illicit communications per federal authorities in Remmer versus United States, which he also refers to back in this legal brief that he filed a few weeks ago. Additionally, Mr. Murdaugh objects that the second proposed question is highly suggestive of an affirmative answer. Now, that's interesting. It could and likely would cause a juror to reasonably, reasonably believe the court handbook for South Carolina reasonably. I'm sorry. Lines. This is a lot. Sorry. It could and likely would cause a juror to reasonably believe the court prefers he or she give an affirmative answer. Oh, that's, I don't know how people do it. It's crazy. And then he references again, the case laws, questioning of witnesses by judge trial handbook for South Carolina lawyers, fifth edition 221 quote, the primary purpose of the trial judges questioning should be to clarify and promote a better understanding of the witnesses testimony to elicit the truth and to cover matters omitted by inadvertence or any other cause. Citing a lot of stuff here. This question is an unnecessarily convoluted, just like this document, convoluted and indirect way of asking the question that needs to be asked, reserving his objection to the court's rejection of the controlling objection of the rejection of the controlling legal standard and his rule 606B objection. Mr. Murdoch submits that under the court's prior ruling on the legal standard of the proper inquiry, uh, the proper inquiry is one. Did you hear Miss Hill say anything about the merits during trial? And if so, two, did it in any way influence your verdict decision on March the 2nd, 2023? The court should ask those questions plainly and directly without language mirroring the judge, judge's jury charge or otherwise suggesting a correct answer and without requiring additional influences to get to the actual issue before the court. These are long sentences. Instead of asking a juror whether or whether your verdict was entirely based on A, to infer that, the, that it was therefore not influenced, or B, the court should just ask whether the verdict was influenced by B. This all makes sense to me because, you know, <laughs> at the heart of the matter is, did Becky Hill tamper with the jury, right? Did Becky Hill... Uh, make these comments that they're alleging. And then this new comment that Angeline Levy, Angelette Levy uh, references in her article and, and for Law and Crime Network, that there was a lot of conversation. There was conversations in the bathroom with the jury four person, a lot of inappropriate contact with Miss Becky Hill outside of just taking lunch orders and telling them when they can go home and, and when to be back the next day. So all of this is the crux of the defense's case. <laughs> trying to get Alec Murdaugh a retrial, including these alternate jurors and jurors that have been dismissed, like the egg juror, that, uh, that have this testimony of this nefarious conduct that was done by Becky Hill, right? On top of her writing the book and the whole thing about the book and the, play, you know, the plagiarism, the, the missing chapter that I read the other day, you know, all of it, right? So... It appears that there's a ma massive conflict of interest, in, uh, massive conflict of interest. But then the defense 
the way that the questions are being outlined to the jurors is like, would you still maintain this? Not were you influenced? Because if you're having a hearing, an evidentiary hearing for a potential real retrial, why wouldn't you ask the jurors, hey, did did Becky Hill's statements to you, her conduct, things that she's talked about in her book, did any of this affect you <laughs> and affect your verdict? I would think that, you know, it's been alleged that she said things like watch his body language, don't believe him, he's manipulative, et cetera, et cetera. Only a guilty man goes on the stand type of thing, <laughs> you know, alluding to these things. I would think that that would not be allowed to go on in a courtroom and could potentially affect anything that the jury or the juror might, uh, and might how they, how they weigh in. I mean, this makes sense to me. Mr. Murdoch, reading on, Mr. Murdoch objects to the court's third proposed question, was your verdict influenced in any way with any communications by the clerk of court, Becky Hill, in this case? This question directly violates Rule 606B for the same reason the court's second proposed question violates the rule. Mr. Murdoch additionally objects that the language, quote, your verdict is unclear. It could be taken to mean the juror's own vote, or it could be understood more literally to mean the collective decision of the juror of the jury of which the juror was a member. Mr. Murdaugh also objects to asking this question before asking the juror whether he or she heard any comments on the merits by Ms. Hill. If a juror heard no comments by Ms. Hill, there is no reason to ask what effect Ms. Hill's comments had on the juror's verdict. Reserving this Rule 606 objection, Mr. Murdaugh therefore proposes this question be asked after the juror is asked if Miss Hill made any appropriate inappropriate comments and that it be rephrased to quote, did Miss Hill's comments prejudice you against the defendant, Alec Murdaugh, in any way? Interesting. Again, I have a hard time. Uh, I have a hard time uh, figuring out how this doesn't make any sense and how this wouldn't be allowed. Like this makes total sense to me because this is calling into question like, Hey, look, um, she is a accused of jury tampering. So did she make inappropriate con co comments and did that affect all these things they're saying make sense. Do I think it's going to be allowed? We shall see. But, uh, you know, based on that hearing last week, judge told did not seem to be, you know, uh, lenient in any way or even considering of any of these motions by the defense or any of these arguments by the defense or objections by the defense, which, you know, again, I want to be really clear. It is well documented that Alec Murdaugh is a horrific human being, and he has been convicted for the murders of Maggie and his son, Paul. However, as I always say, the system needs to work for the worst of us if it can work for the best of us, right? So despite what you think about Alec Murdaugh and him, yes, he is a terrible human. The system needs to work and it needs to work appropriately. We need to have to have protections in our justice system to make sure that we actually have a justice system that works for everyone. Because again, if, it, if it's going to go, it can go, this can work against anyone. So it isn't, um, it, it is, it is interesting to see all this play out in real time. Like, okay, there are these potential issues and we're just kind of going to gloss over them. And structure the questions in a different way. I think it's, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's dicey. And let's also not forget that, hey, we are 
here and we are here because of Becky Hill and all her conduct and, and depositing checks. I mean, two, two ethics investigations by sled into her. So, I mean, this is serious stuff. Um, hi, Tinsy fly. Yes. Uh, good point. Dog's mom. Yes, absolutely. Uh, if you think, if you, if you, I think if you ask, I think you ask if Miss Hill said anything to you, then ask if, uh, if what she said meant anything to your vote. Well, yeah, that's exactly what Harpoolian is saying that they should restructure all their questioning because saying, I, I get the media bias thing. This trial has been, I mean, how many documentaries have been made about this? There's a lifetime movie where Murdoch is played by Bill Pullman. There's probably, I'm sure many other, I think there's, a, there's how many podcasts, like everybody has been so engrossed with this trial to be able to, to not offer, I mean, of course they're, of course, anything they think now is going to be completely biased by everything. He's already pled guilty to the, to the charges, uh, to pled guilty and been sentenced for the financial corruption stuff. He has more of that coming through. It's well documented that he's a bad man and you might have this bias. And that was something that was interesting. And a lot of people have argued in favor of Murdoch. Um, and again, I, I have no opinion on this. I'm just saying what, what is said in, you know, around the, around the sewing circles, around the campfire, right. Is that the, the prosecution, uh, allowing the references and talking about Alec Murdoch's financial crimes. And I get why they did that because they're trying to establish that he has a problem with being honest and he's a shady character. But a lot of people have argued that that shouldn't have been allowed in the courtroom to begin with when approaching, when, you know, they're talking about the murder of his wife and his son. So it's interesting. And all of this just plays in. And I honestly think this hearing will go on. They'll file for appeal. This, this thing, if he doesn't get a retrial, this is going to keep going. They're going to keep escalating this to higher courts, maybe even the United States Supreme Court. I would think because there seems to be dirty fingerprints everywhere you look when you're looking at this, everywhere you look. And it's just really unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. Um, but who knows? I mean, you know, he was convicted. Like I said, a jury of his peers convicted him. So we'll see. Um, Mur Mr. Murdoch, back to the document. Mr. Murdoch objects to the court's fourth proposed question. Did you have any communication with Becky Hill about your verdict in this case? And the follow-up, if yes, what did Ms. Hill say? Because, quote, have any, uh, because have any communication with Becky Hill is an unclear statement. Mr. Murdoch suggests a more clear and direct state, direct question. Did you hear Ms. Hill make any comments about the testimony, evidence, or arguments presented by the state or defense during Mr. Murdoch's trial? If the answer is yes, in addition to asking what was said, Mr. Murdoch believes the court should ask when it was said, <laughs> where it was said, and to who else was present, who else was present when it was said. And as explained above, Mr. Murdoch believes that if anything was heard, should be asked before the court asks what effect it had on their verdict. Again, you know, they were hoping to bring in because they have these sworn affidavits that they've referenced several times. They reference it when they filed this motion for the retrial uh, that they have sworn affidavits from the alternate jurors and other jurors who had not been selected and the egg lady juror that was dismissed and other people that these comments were made. So they're relying on those affidavits and trying to like sort of insert them in this document. It looks a little bit like uh, these are lawyers. This is good. Mr. Murdoch again objects to including counsel for jurors participating in the merits of this proceeding, 
for reasons previously briefed. He respectfully submits the court should not have included Eric Bland in correspondence, in correspondence discussing what questions will be posed to his client. I'm aware of no precedent for a court providing a witness's lawyer with an advanced copy of the questions the witness will be asked during a criminal proceeding. Fortunately, there was no prejudice to Mr. Murdaugh because the, the court granted Mr. Murdaugh's request to sequester the witness and Mr. Bland agreed to abide by the court's decision. That's interesting. And yes, just so you know, in a criminal trial, you don't get to get the questions <laughs> beforehand. That's why you meet with your lawyers, whether they're the prosecutors or the defense, so they can say, this is what we think they're going to ask you. Again, I'm not a lawyer, but having gone through a criminal case and civil cases, this is what they do. They, they, they say, based upon the evidence, the things that were included in discovery, that which is the evidence that they received from the other side, they basically say, this is what they could ask you surrounding this. They have this listed in their discovery that they're going to submit as evidence to the court. So what is your reaction to this? They might ask you about this line in this document or this part of this text message or this email or this conversation and where this, they're going to ask you all those subtle nuances, but they don't know. So it's interesting to see that, uh, that this <laughs> submitting these questions, Oh, oy vey. As I say it, oy vey. <laughs> Let me use my throat spray. I'm aware of no press. Okay. So, however, in the examination, uh, if the examination of juror 826 is held in public tomorrow, so this was filed, sent yesterday, filed today, the attendant media coverage means the other witnesses will not be sequestered and will be given advance notice of the questions that they will be asked and an opportunity to discuss their answers with others. Because we all know these people talk. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. Mr. Murdaugh therefore objects to holding tomorrow's hearing in public and requests the courtroom be sealed with the transcript and perhaps an audio recording released on Monday once the juror witnesses are assembled in the courthouse. The public interest in observing this examination of a single witness one business day in advance of the actual hearing is minimal and is outweighed by Mr. Murdaugh's interest in witness sequestration. For example... The juror witnesses are in communication with each other through a chat group. Of course, they're all on Facebook. Becky Hill's probably in there too. I mean, I don't know. I'm just speculating, right? <laughs> in a chat group for which Mr. Murdoch can provide documentary evidence of such if the court desires. Mr. Murdoch should not lose the ability to seek sequestration of, the, of witnesses simply because he, the state, and the court wish to accommodate an innocent juror's prepaid travel plans. So again all of this, but it looks like she has suppressed all this to the media. So we'll see. We'll see how this all goes on Monday. This is going to be a wild hearing. I'll tell you what. Mr. Murdoch objects to the courts examining Miss Hill at all. Rule 614B of the South Carolina Rules of Evidence provides, quote, when required by the interest of justice only, the court may interrogate witnesses. Emphasis added. <laughs> the restriction is almost is almost unique to South Carolina jurisprudence. It does not appear in federal rule 614 and Florida is the only other state with this restriction in its corresponding rule. Miss Hill is an elected public official accused of wrongdoing, which she has denied by a sworn statement filed with this court. She is the state's preparation session. Uh, sorry, hold on. She is the state's principal witness against Mr. Murdoch. The prosecution and sled agents just held a four hour preparation session with her to coach her testimony 
even though they are supposedly investigating multiple criminal allegations against her. So this is the crust of what I was saying at the top of this show is she had this secret meeting with them with sled to go over what they're going to ask her. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, I'll reemphasize this. The prosecution and sled agents just held a four hour preparation session with, with her to coach her testimony, even though they are supposedly investigating multiple criminal allegations against her. There is no reason quote, the interest of justice would require her to be shielded from being asked questions in the same manner as almost every other witness in every other case in this in the history of this state. The court has not stated any reasons for conducting the examination of Miss Hill itself, and if the court is determined to do so, Mr. Murdaugh respectfully requests the court state its reasons on the record prior to her examination. And yes, somebody said she could plead the fifth, and then they would be, you know, up shit crick without a paddle, as they like to say, and probably so. Oh boy. Mr. Murdoch has a right to present any evidence relevant to his claims, which is not prohibited by the constitution of the United States, constitution of the state of South Carolina statutes, or by other rules promulgated by the Supreme court of South Carolina. Um, relevant evidence means evidence having any tendency to make the existence of any fact that is of consequence to the determination of the action more plurable, more probable or less probable than it would be without the evidence. Legal jargon is a tongue twister. That's for sure. Huh. Rule 401. So he's just mentioning all these rules saying witness cre credibility is always relevant, which is true. And that's in the trial. They put Mr. Murdoch's credibility on trial with lying about the settlements and, and stealing money. And Becky Hill has a credibility issue, which is why they're going to be in that courtroom. They are in that courtroom in the first place. Is there a credibility issues? And many people, and she's under two investigations. This is wild. This is insane. This is, you couldn't write a better script. You couldn't write a better script or a story. It's, you couldn't make this stuff up. Uh, whether Miss Hill, I'm just going to jump through here. Whether Miss Hill lied to the court during trial about a member of the jury is probative of whether she is now lying to the same court about her contacts with jurors during trial. For that reason, inquiry by counsel should be made into the quote Facebook matter plagiarizing the book that she she purportedly wrote about the trial is probative of her truthfulness about her conduct during the trial inquiry should therefore be made into that matter whether miss hill stated during trial that she had a financial interest in a guilty verdict is probative probative of the truth of her denial of allegations that she acted to secure a guilty verdict Inquiry should therefore be made into that matter. Abusing the power of her office to steal money is probative of whether she of whether she at about the same time abused the power of her office for financial gain in other ways. Quote, proof of bias is almost always relevant because the jury, as finder of fact and weigher of credibility, has historically been entitled to, to assess all evidence which might bear on the accuracy of and truth of a witness's testimony. And that is from State versus Pipkin. Blah, 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 blah. An inquiry should therefore be made into the allegations that Miss Hill sold access to the courthouse and otherwise misappropriated funds to the point that during the trial, she was not even allowed to have a county credit card. They have literally taken all of the laundry, 
brought it outside. They're doing it all in front of the neighborhood. Wow. Cat loves Catskills. Thank you so much. TGIF indeed. Thank you so much for joining us in the very impromptu. Uh, Sled is trying. So Airdrie says Sled is trying to protect Becky, even in her son's wiretapping case. Had she just dang waited a year to release the book, says Dom's mom. All this probably wouldn't have happened. She waited, what, a whole week before she started her press tour. Yeah, I, I agree. Probably a lot of this would have been, could have been avoided. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. But again, if he didn't get a fair trial, that's a problem, at least in my eyes. Like, again, system has to work for the worst of us so it can work for the best of us. That's just how it goes. Oy vey, as I like to say, and you guys like to quote me. Um, the evidentiary, reading on, the evidentiary rules prevent witness impeachment from turning into a trial within a trial by prohibiting the introduction of intrinsic evidence regarding specific instances of, con instances of conduct, instead generally limiting it to prior inconsistent statements and evidence of bias. See rules, blah, 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 609, 613, blah, blah, blah. Those rules are sufficient to contain the defendant's examination of Miss Hill. There is no need for the court to go the, for the court go further and rob Mr. Murdoch of his right to cross-examine the state's principal witness against him. Yeah, indeed. For most lines of questioning, the impeachment inquiry of Miss Hill would be very quick. For example, she has already admitted publicly to plagiarism, so that line of inquiry would be over in a minute. At a minimum, if she denies speaking with jurors about the merits of this of the case, Mr. Murdoch should at least be allowed to call any percipient uh, eyewitness who would contradict her, referring to those alternate jurors that they are not allowed to bring in <laughs> to the court. And they are not allowed to submit their statements to the court as well. Yeah. Oy vey. Uh, the testimony of those witnesses would likely take less than 10 minutes. Whether those witnesses later deliberated with the jury is irrelevant. Miss Hill, after all, did not deliberate with the jury either. She, too, is relevant only as an eyewitness of her actions to her actions. When ruling that Mr. Murdoch will be prohibited from calling percipient wit eyewitnesses to Ms. Hill's alleged jury tampering statements, whether to corroborate jurors who testify Ms. Hill made such statements or to rebut Ms. Hill's sworn denial of making such statements, the court stated, quote, the corroboration is something I don't think I need at this time. I think I'm perfectly capable of evaluating what the jurors tell me, and I'll do that. I think I'm also perfectly capable of evaluating the credibility of Miss Hill and the jurors for that matter. Now, that's what Judge Judge uh, Toll said at the hearing last Tuesday in the pre-hearing for the hearings. Um, Mr. Murdoch objects to those statements. He has a right to challenge the credibility of the state's of the state's principal witnesses against him through cross-examination, which is not contingent on how the court perceives or its own needs or capabilities. C state versus Hester observing the right to cross examine is one, which is one, which must remain inviolate, 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 inviolate. Oh my goodness. Must the right to cross examine is one, which must remain inviolate. The power of cross examination ellipsis certainly is one of the most eff uh, efficacious tests of, of the most 
it's certainly one of the most efficacious, like my vocabulary is very good, but this sometimes this gets wordy. Certainly, uh, certainly is one of the most efficacious test, which the law has devised for the discovery of truth. Now in this, there's ellipses. So these are like half sentences. So that's why it's reading awkwardly. And it is one of the, uh, one of the most inestimable rights by which a man may maintain his defense internal quotation marks omitted. Respectfully, it is inappropriate for the court to direct the party's factual presentations based on its own opinions formed before receiving any evidence about what it needs to assess witness credibility. The parties decide and present within the limits set by the South Carolina rules of evidence what they believe the court needs to make findings of fact. It is Mr. Murdaugh's burden to prove his allegations, not the court's. It is the state's burden to rebut Mr. Murdaugh's proof, not the court's. This is an American adversarial proceeding in a trial court, not a Europe European inquisitorial proceeding conducted by an investigating magistrate. With warm personal regards, I am sincerely Richard A. Harpulian. That's his letter to the court filed today. Exhibit A. is here and this is the exhibit a which is the questions defendant murdoch's proposed juror questions did you hear miss hill make any comments about the testimony evidence or arguments presented by the state or defense or the anticipated length of your deliberations during mr murdoch's trial if the answer is no then no further questions if the answer is yes then ask the following questions what comments did you hear miss hill make who else was present when miss hill made those comments did Miss Hill's comments influence you in any way? And if so, how? Did Miss Hill's comments prejudice you against defendant Alec Murdaugh in any way, however slight? Eh. What a what a debacle. Not gonna lie. What a debacle. Well, there you guys have it. That is the motion. That is the uh the letter. That um, that Dick Harpulian filed with the court, sent on the Supreme Court to Justice Toll on Thursday, yesterday, January 25th, filed this morning, and then it led to that secretive um, juror hearing because they were at Bible camp. There you go. Hey, you know, it's all good. They were at Bible camp. <laughs> oh, man. It is, uh, it is a thing. I'll tell you what. It is a thing. Uh, but you know what? It's going to, it's going to make for an interesting hearing. The hearing is going to start on the 29th, it's supposed to end on the 31st. If it goes that long, we'll hear from, from, uh, we'll hear from Becky Hill. Probably we'll see if she takes the fifth. This is going to make, this is, this is nuts to me. The, the way this, this is playing out, but, uh, oh, you need a word of the day. I think that sounds like a great, great thing. Thank you so much. We've got to really incorporate that into our, uh, into our posts, uh, into our, uh, our lives. Um, pusillanimous, which means cowardly. I think I referenced that before. So I would also say, I would also add another word, truculent, which is quick or eager to argue. When you are truculent, you can be abrasive with people. A lot of Kansas City Chief fans are truculent. When Baltimore Ravens fans suggest that they are going to blow them out on Sunday. 
<laughs> pusillanimous is spelled p-u-s-i-l-l-a-n-i-m-o-u-s and it basically means cowardly and truculent t-r-u-c-u-e-u-l-e-n-t truculent but yes many many <laughs> there's two games going on on sundays and we're and we're going to have that live and i have we have our live member only meet and greet at 3 p.m. and 6 p.m., we have the channel live. Uh, maybe we should have some football on, too. Between Alec Murdaugh, the Adelsons, and, and Brian Koberger, it's busy. Oh, yes, it is, Lisa White. You're absolutely right. And, oh, those poor guys found out. Yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs. And you guys want to hear something? This is a true crime story that nobody knows about. There was a murder nine blocks over from where I live in this wonderful city of Santa Monica. Somebody was just shot yesterday morning. I used to run. I used to jog to the park right there in the mornings, by the way. Scary. I'm talking to somebody today and my my uh, my friend who lives in lives closer to the ocean, he messaged me. He goes, you know, somebody was there was a murder that happened in your neighborhood. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I'll talk about that another time. That was just that was a little too much for me. I just found that out about, well, about an hour and a half ago. It's wild. Uh, who is everybody pulling for this weekend? Because Sunday is coming up. It's around the corner. Bills Chiefs, or sorry, Bills Chiefs, that was last weekend. Chiefs Ravens and 49ers and Lions. As you know, I'm a 49ers fan. I'm pulling for the 49ers, but you know, this is uh you know, Lions, Lions have had a really great year. They got some good players, so we'll see. And uh Jared Goff did used to play for the Los Angeles Rams. And uh yeah, they had quite that first round battle, by the way, between the Rams and the Lions was pretty good. Matthew Stafford versus Jared Goff was pretty cool. So KC Ravens. Yeah. I, you know, as a, as a 49ers fan, and I think we will get to the Super Bowl, I am petrified of the Ravens. Like they are very, very scary and they're banged up, which is crazier to me. Uh, you know, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. It, you know, if anyone, if any one person in the history of, of the national football league can pull some tricks on the Ravens who, you know, appear to be overmatched, it's Patrick Mahomes literally probably the best quarterback of all time, arguably outside of Tom Brady, like the most athletic, I mean, you know, physically, you know, Tom Brady is the goat, of course, but I'm a huge Tom Brady fan, but you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes is unbelievably talented. And if anyone can figure it out, it could be him. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. Seahawks are my home team, but that, <laughs> but that ain't an opinion. LOL. Detroit and KC says Janet, Janet McKay. Uh, and Washington, D.C. native, so I must go for Baltimore. Yeah, I think Baltimore is probably going to take the whole thing. I want the 49ers to win the whole thing, but they're, they they just dismantled us. And we dismantled other teams. That's what's nutty to me. Anyways, uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. I want to give a big shout-out to my channel members and to my Patreon patrons. Thank you so much for your support. It means the world to me. Shout-out to our new channel members who just joined today, Airdrie, Lisa White, and Terry. Thank you so much for joining. Please join us this Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern time for our own members only live meet and greet. It's super cool. We'll have a lot of fun. And Cat Loves Catskills, thank you so much for the super sticker. I appreciate all the support, guys. I appreciate you guys sharing the show, showing up, listening, watching, uh, subscribing. Click the like button if you could on your way out. It really helps with the algorithm. On that note, I'm Collier Landry, guys. And uh, hey, I'll see you on the next one. Peace.
this podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. For exclusive content around this podcast, please consider supporting me via Patreon by going to collierlandry.com forward slash support. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from, and please leave us a five-star review. If you want to see video episodes of this podcast, please check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash collierlandry. You can find links to additional resources in the show notes of today's episode. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio. Copyright Collier Landry.